Um, and any questions on anything before I get into the teaching portion, just throw it in the chat real quick. If not, I'm gonna hit record and get going. So this will not only live in Recharge, but also the Academy. Cool, cool, cool. Um, you can look at the notes and open it up. And I want you to see the visual here. And uh, I'm going to admit people while I'm teaching. I can do both at the same time. Um, uh, so here we go. Welcome to Figure That Game Out. What we're talking about in Figure That Game Out is an approach to, to life, to leadership, it's advancing everything we already know with Sight Shift, but in you bringing your best leadership game to bear. So we're going to be walking through this journey. There's nine parts and pieces to it for you to be as advanced as possible in the game that you're playing. And I say game not to diminish it, but game to capture the spirit and ethos of the world we're living in, the zeitgeist of the times. For a long time, you know, we lived with such an urgency about building civilization. And there was language that started to get introduced. Uh, some of you may know A Beautiful Mind, uh, the movie with Russell Crowe, I think it was. It was about John Nash, the mathematician, who had a real breakthrough about how we approach situations and navigate through them using something called game theory. So now you're going to see in a lot of different places uh, conversations and books and talks around this idea of game theory. Before I get into any kind of the nuance of that, what we're going to do in this session is cover what I think is the most important foundational piece for this journey of approaching life and leadership like a game. And the reason I like the analogy of approaching that that way is because I care, I want to win, but my identity isn't on the line. So I'm not crushed if if I lose. There are big things I want to have happen in my life. But as those big things play out, I'm staying adaptive. So figure that game out as a way of talking about this idea and approaching it from a standpoint of, I want a good result, but I'm also holding it loose. I have a plan and I have a vision, but I know that I can be adaptive in the moment as things change. So here's the baseline idea. Everything in your life, you approach it as a zero-sum game or not. That's it. Everything in life is a zero-sum game or not. Zero-sum meaning there's not enough to go around. This pie is limited. You're going to get your part. You're going to get your part. You're going to get your part. Or we want to constantly figure out ways to make the pie bigger. And I don't know of a greater mindset approach standpoint that you can take as you think about life and leadership in terms of a game than understanding nothing really is a zero-sum game. I can always make the pie bigger. And the best way to think about always making the pie bigger is vision. Vision. You put a person who has the ability to see what isn't yet true, to imagine what, yesn't, what hasn't yet happened. You have a person who can take what feels limited, what feels like a lack of resources, and become resourceful and multiply it. So I know some of you when you look at wiring standpoint, may not consider yourself visionary. And there are wirings that tend to serve better in organizations from a visionary standpoint. I'm not talking about that in this standpoint. I'm talking about all of us have the potential to see a way through when it feels like there is no way through. Now, if we're going to understand seeing the pie bigger, we got to talk a little bit about what's called in some literature, a reality distortion field. Now, there's some iconic 
like aggrandized examples of this, Steve Jobs being one. It's In fact, it was said about him at Apple that if you were around him, he kind of lived in a reality distortion field. So he was bringing something to bear that hadn't yet happened and, and it seemed crazy. Are you living in the same reality as us? And what we want to do is understand that can be applied at the most granular level. An example, when I was in college, I had a little over $5,000 to get a car with. And this was like in 98 or something. And my car had broke and was busted. I drove it literally to like this oil pan, just whatever happened to it. And oil was running out everywhere and, you know, whatever. So I told my friends, I want a 92 Honda Accord with a sunroof. I don't care if it's two-door or four-door. And I'm going to find one for 5000 And at the time, you know, they were all within a decent mileage, you know, 7000 I remember one of my college friends being like, no, 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 dude, you're not going to find it for that price. That's impossible. Now, this was early days of the internet. So I had a laptop in my dorm room and you'd have to get on the internet. And then I would go to newspapers, classified pages. <laughs> that was how it worked back then, kids. And so I'm clicking on these pages looking for that Honda Accord. And I found one. Honda Accord, exact mileage I wanted, uh, $5,200. And I remember having that experience happen and going, I would not have had this car if I would have just accepted there's no way this could happen and then gone out and searched for, uh, you know, whatever I thought was in the appropriate range. Now, this is why some of the worst leaders in human history that we would call sociopathic or psychopathic uh, have accomplished so much. Because again, it's dysfunctional. They put a great burden of evil on society, but there's still an approach there. There's still a strategy. There's still a system. There's still a process. And I want to peel back or pull back the curtain on that. I want to demystify it for you so that you can see how in small, medium, and big ways, you can be the kind of person who replaces overthinking or telling yourself it can't be, those are the two ditches to vision, to effective action and advancing something. So what I've got for you there in your workbook or your worksheet, the analogy that I want to build this around, I tend to think of terms or think of concepts like this visually, and I'm giving it to you in a visual way so that you can see how to apply it no matter where you find yourself. So at the foundation of that worksheet, at the foundation of that image, you'll see the word acceptance. You'll see the word acceptance. All growth into vision starts with an acceptance. That's why, for those of you that are familiar with the, the seasons model, you know that all change starts when we accept the reality of the fall season. Now, what do I mean by acceptance here? I mean, there is a particular nature and nurture that you have. And accepting that is the way that you start a visionary path forward. So if you're following along in your notes, what goes in the blanks there is this. You return or you remember with awareness. Now, the verbs here are important. You return or you remember with awareness. To, to accept something here when I'm talking about vision, I mean, you're returning to who you know you really are. When you were two years old and you were trying to walk and you fell over, you didn't lay on the carpet or whatever age kids learn to walk. You didn't lay on the carpet and you go, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get my crap together? Why can't I walk? 
What's my struggle here? And then you start having an existential crisis about my friends can walk faster than me. I'm looking on social media and how fast they're walking and what's my problem. And my, my loved ones or authority figures or parents are watching me and they're embarrassed of me. And how long is it going to take? You had no self-consciousness. You had no self-consciousness. There was just a truth of experience. Now, it was highly reactive. So you had to grow and you had to develop and you had to develop, right, a conscious awareness of who you are. That was good. What's bad and what comes with that is all the fear of being judged, all the fear of not being liked. That's why we go back to those two big questions over and over. Do they like me and am I doing a good job? What starts to come back into uh, your world, so to speak, or enter into it for the first time is all of this, I am now conscious. Another way we could say it is this, I have a conscience. I have a conscience, not just I'm conscious, I have a conscience. That's what starts to develop. And that's developing around nature and nurture, around the personality wiring that you have, and then around nurture, the experiences you have that, that for good or bad, and both of those are true for all of us, develop our defense mechanisms, develop our coping strategies. Most of what you call your personality when you're under stressed, or when you're under stress, or when you get rigid in any way, is actually a defense mechanism, coping strategy, where you're trying to get through the pain. So the real secret that's like cooked in to figure that shift out, the real secret to transformation is to return or remember with awareness. What you're doing is you're returning to a state where you're not self-conscious anymore, but you're also not reactive like a child. So you are not childish, you become childlike. Now I've articulated this in a number of different ways and books and, and courses, but this is why this is so key to vision. And this is why everyone stops somewhere and it's usually way far short of the many reinventions they could have in life. You constantly keep coming back to the truth. What's the truth? The truth of who you are, the truth of how you're made, the truth of how you impact, the truth of how you show up. We've experienced this when I'm recording this, it's 2021 in a powerful way, even with our site shift team recently. And it's been fun to see as we've gotten uh, an assessment and an awareness that we have now as a tool on the different ways that team members show up as their best. And it's been so freeing and permission given for me to see where I'm great and where I'm bad. And it's so awesome to see where team members are great, you know, where I am missing <laughs> offering who I am. And, and you can feel the energy right now as our team kind of coalesces into this deeper awareness. We're returning to who we are. We're remembering who we are, but it's without the self-conscious pieces that hold us back. What keeps us up at night or wakes us up super early is oftentimes the places we're stressed out or fearful or the places we may have, may have violated our conscience the places we've not lived true to who we are. When you are returning or remembering with awareness and vision comes out of that. Now, this is going to be high level today, but that's the baseline. Now, I want to walk through these three columns real quick. Column one, you can see it there in your notes. It's imagine. It's imagine. And here's the uh, action that you could put as you think about that. And this is the second point there in your notes. You emerge by leaning into desires and results. You emerge by leaning into desires and results. Here's what I mean. This column by imagine, you, your vision will emerge on the plane of your conscience, conscious reality, 
as you start to get honest about what your desires are and what your results are. Let's talk about desires for a minute real quick. Most people at some point got to a cruising altitude of vision in their life, and it's why they stopped growing and it's why they got stuck, because they imagined themselves at that capacity of leadership, at that capacity of income, at that capacity of impact, but it stopped there. They stretched their way into that. And and if you're not being stretched and you've kind of mastered the domain you're in, then you can understand that your imagination now isn't being stretched to grow past where your current desires are. Now, I know when you start talking about desires, I can tell you that some people have, few people in leadership, but some do, have raging psychopathic desires, sociopathic. Most of the human population lives with very diminished desire. And that's why you see parables take hold like the good wolf and the bad wolf. You've ever, the older the parables express it like there's a, there's a black wolf in me and the white wolf, but there's this good wolf and this black, bad wolf. And the idea is feed the good wolf, starve the bad wolf, and you'll have the life you want. You'll have the vision you want. The problem with that is you never get to explore why does that bad wolf want that. There might be things right now that you're agitated, bothered about, concerned about, struggling with. And it's not that you starve the bad wolf. You just feed it a better diet. So right now, I'm, you know, if you told me that the calendar that I have today is the calendar five years ago that I would have, if, if you took me back in time and said five years ago to me, Chris, this is what your calendar is going to be like on March 2nd, 2021. I'd be like, yes, that's amazing. That's what I want. But right now, I'm not fully happy with my calendar because I have desires that are drawing me to what I can't yet imagine. And two years from now, my calendar is going to look different than it does today. It's a container of the vision for how I spend my life. And the desires that you have that are stirring within you, when those aren't paid attention to, you're not digging out all the opportunity for vision that you could. And I say results. That's the idea of like you're paying attention to, do you really like what's going on? Are you really happy with it? The baseline's acceptance. We return back to the truth. And then I start to imagine, if I'm not happy with it, what could it be like? Alan Watts, a famous teacher, you've probably heard of him. If not, he just kind of synthesized a lot of philosophy from the East and the West and a really brilliant thinker. But he says this, you have no obligation to be who you were five minutes ago. In my studying of different wisdom traditions, I found numerous sayings so profound. One of them was from uh, what was letters in the early church, the Christian church. And this one writer was talking about how when you're really transforming, you can move from one level of glory to another. How many people do you know that go through radical reinvention? How many people do you know that look at their lives and go, I don't have to be who I was five minutes ago? And it's because at some point they just reach that cruising altitude. They stop imagining. Well, you don't stress yourself into imagining. You let desires and results take you there. So you start to emerge. Second column there. Second column. Or excuse me. I've been saying that wrong. The first column is imagine. The second column is emerge. The second column is emerge. And what you're doing as you emerge is, and you can see this in your notes there, uh, number three, you seek out world-class instruction. You seek out world-class instruction. For what's happening for so many people, they're not actually getting to that place that they're trying to get the best they can possibly get. You don't want to just settle for good guidance. You want to try to get the greatest guidance you can. Now, if you're at a place where you're trying to move, you know, acceptance, imagine, and you're emerging into new, 
this vision is starting to shape within you, you're starting to grow, you take the advice where you can get it. But I can tell you this, like in numerous ways, here's just one example, and there's a lot I could give you. People have completely helped me reimagine and then emerge into that next level with just one question. Perfect example. 2016, 17, I think it is. I just came across this person who I thought, mm, she has what I need next. I could see some of her writing and I tried to get an appointment with her and I was able to. And as I got this appointment with her, I was telling her where I'm at and what's going on. And she goes, okay, well, how do you get to, with your business, a quarter of a million dollars? I was like, well, this is how. She's like, how do you get to a million dollars? And that was a different approach and strategy. And I told her, well, this is how. She's like, well, do that now. And it just broke my brain because I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I imagine it different and emerge into that new reality now? 2007, I was in Austin, Texas, and I heard this psychologist speaking and he was saying something and I heard it and I thought, you know what? I think he has the next bit of insight I need for an issue that my wife and I were trying to work through. And I went up to him and asked him, would you do phone appointments with me? I live in Columbus, Ohio. He said, yeah. When you are the kind of person who starts to be honest about the acceptance, the baseline, you're imagining what could be, then you're seeking out world-class instruction as you emerge into new possibilities. Your antenna is up and you're like, who has what I need? Ooh, I need to go read that. I need to go try to meet with them. I need to go learn that from them. Over and over and over, my life has been dramatically changed by world-class instruction. Things I didn't know about. You know, recently, and I'm not able to see everybody who's on here right now as I, I, I teach this, but, uh, you know, some of you know, I released some news. I went through a crazy health crisis the last couple of weeks. And since this will be watched as a course, I don't think I want to go into that too much right now. But through a coaching connection and a relationship that I have with a doctor, found out about something I didn't even know exists. And this revolutionary field that's given me so much hope for the challenge that I'm facing, again, it's the world-class instruction. Now, how do you know when somebody's world-class? Do they know how to teach something in a way that maps onto your life in a customized way, not just telling you what you should do? Have they been able to repeat those events, those results in numerous places? And I'll tell you, here's the big one. Have they been um, made better through painful experiences and brokenness or calcified through it? All of us, if we live with vision, all of us, and not everybody lives with vision. Some people check out and, and, and they're just going to play it safe. All of us, if we live with vision, we are going to face moments where we feel humiliated. But until the humiliation becomes shame-free, me sitting on the deck of the house holding the eviction notice, and many other moments since then, until the humiliation transforms into us something that is shame-free, only then can we truly learn humility. Humility is greatness, that we know our greatness within and our identity, regardless of the results in the mission and community. But we start to learn where do we show up in mission community with the highest amount of impact. A beaten and broken human can be transformed through humiliating circumstances, or they're going to further calcify into falseness. That's why you go back to acceptance, get to the truth. You start to imagine. As you imagine, you emerge, you seek out that world-class instruction. And as you seek out world-class instruction, it's got to customize to you and your taste will evolve. What was world-class to me five years ago in marketing, my tastes have evolved. Now I'm more zeroed in. They have to be a lot better or, or better suited for me. I can go on and on with that. Last 
column here, last column, expand. So you imagine you emerge into these new places and you start to expand with your curiosity. Here's the notes and I'll give it to you this way. Follow your curiosities and act on them. Follow your curiosities and act on them. Now there under your notes, I've just got a few words that are going to help you with your curiosities. One, intuition. Now, the, you know, one of the things that we're learning with Sight Shift is that our intuition gets reformed. We learn that the impulse to act can be false if we're trying to get our identity from our mission or community. But when there's a purity there, when we're not violating our conscience, then that intuition is how we receive that right brain direction and insight. So we could say it this way, our gut is becoming better informed and transformed. We're now not held back by rationality, but aided by it. See, if you've really gone through this progression, acceptance, imagine, emerge, when you expand into new curiosities, you're going to be thinking new thoughts that you've never thought before. You're going to be exploring new ideas, new applications. And, and it's going to feel, because it feels unfamiliar, wrong. The rational brain may even tell you, who are you to have that kind of dream for what your day could look like? Who are you to kind of think, to think this way about this, you know, any situation, any situation, an injection of vision, that who are you voice, which is shame, can be so powerful. And it's a gut check for us with self-deception because some of your curiosities can get you into trouble. You could be feeding the bad wolf, so to speak. So what do you do in that instance? It goes back to what am I trying to get out of this? Am I trying to escape? Am I trying to enhance? As I record this, it's the end of, uh, of course, 2020 has ended and we're now early in 2021. And I reflect back on 2020 and if I'm honest, there were some moments I could call it the year of alcohol. <laughs> the, the, the quarantine life and lockdown and some of that crazy stuff. And, and, and I had to really pay attention there for a minute. Am I escaping? Or am I enhancing a celebration? So yes, follow the curiosities and act on them, but just know there's a reason that old wise saying says curiosity killed the cat. I'm going to give you two exercises to apply this, and this is what you want to work on. Number one, in video games, some of them, they have a god mode. A god mode is then where you become the all-powerful being in the game. And, and here's what's so crazy to me. Every major wisdom tradition in the world, including the one that a lot of you would be from watching this in the West, Christianity, has ideas in it, no matter how far removed you are from this, in its inception, that, that you are, you know, however your language is, you are like God, you are made in the image of God. And so, you know, don't get caught up with some of my language here. Understand you have more capacity more power, more responsibility, more responsibility, more beauty, everything. There's more. And if you can start to root out the narratives of shame and the lies that have held you back, you can start to expand and explore. And you take any situation in your life, vision is the starting point of figuring that game out. And of course, you can always use the table exercise. You know, I have two unique parts in my life that are showing up because of the health crisis over these last couple of weeks. And uh, one of them is, I'm just, there's, there's a lot of things that I don't care about as much as I did a couple of weeks ago. So there's an elevation of vision and there's this little bit rawness in me of just, hey, get out of here. I'm just honest and direct and that's good. I wanna bring that to the table and let that expand me into new vision. 
um, and the other part would take us off track. So use the table exercise for any parts for you that show new desires or disconnects. Imagine those pieces and have a conversation with them and that'll start to come together for you. So work on those, use this as a visual, apply it to any situation where you need more vision as you figure that game out.